Let your mind relax into an open awareness of sounds. Noticing how different sounds appear and disappear. The open field of awareness. Noticing the louder sounds, the softer ones. Noticing the silence. Notice the spontaneous awareness of sounds, of hearing. The sound and the knowing of it arises by itself. Be aware of the sensations of the body as they appear in the field of awareness. Notice how the sensations of each breath appear. Sensations of the air passing the nostrils, or the sensations of the movement of the chest or abdomen. Sensations of each breath appear in just the same way that sounds appear.
Feel the sensations of each breath, just one at a time. Not anticipating the one that follows. Just noticing how the sensations arise spontaneously. When any strong sensation becomes predominant, shines brightly, comes into the foreground of attention, let the mind settle into the awareness of that sensation, opening to it, relaxing into it, feeling it, and noticing how it behaves getting stronger or weaker, shifting position, disappearing. Notice the sounds, sensations, the breath. And see if you can notice different mental phenomena that arise. Thoughts when they appear. Different emotions, the hindrances. Using the mental noting as a tool to help stay non-identified with them see all phenomena as part of a passing show. Can you be with thoughts in the same way that you are with sounds? Simply noticing them arising and passing.
Use the breath as the primary object of attention, as a way of stabilizing the awareness, steadying the mind. so that it can then stay undistracted in the awareness of all other experiences. We've gone over pretty much the full range of instructions in terms of how to deal with or include the different objects of experience. Do you have any questions either about any of the instructions or about experiences in your practice? Generally, it's helpful uh, to cultivate the awareness on a primary object because it really is a, it's a way of developing some basic samadhi, concentration, steadiness, stability. On the one hand. And on the other hand, the practice of vipassana, of awareness, is not exclusively a concentration practice. It's for the purpose of being aware of all arising phenomena. The general rule for the practice is to be with whatever is predominant. When nothing is particularly predominant, then come back to a rest in the breath, because that's always there. Thoughts become predominant, uh, or you could think of thoughts becoming predominant when they're carrying you away a lot. So, for example, if you're with the breath and there's a quickly passing thought and it doesn't take you away, you don't particularly have to note that. You can just see it as something quickly passing by because the mind is staying pretty focused on the breath, on the primary object at that time. In the same way as if you were with the breath and there's a quickly passing sound, you could notice the sound, but not particularly turn the attention towards it. But if you're with the breath and you find yourself being caught up, you know, in a powerful thought form or a powerful emotion, at that time, that is what's predominant. And so you could leave the breath and really bring all of your awareness, all of your attention 
to the thought or to the emotion or to a very predominant sound, you know, maybe a very recurring one that is pulling your attention. Um, don't make the distinction of whether to be on the breath or other objects too. Don't make that distinction ironclad. It's much more fluid. about the hug <laughs> or pat I think that's fine to do some of the time to really hone the awareness kind of give because thoughts are so subtle and they slip in so easily to really keep a a certain quality of vigilance in the mind for their arising uh, at times I think could be could be skillful. Notice whether if you if you maintain that mental posture, so to speak, for too long, whether or not it's tiring in the mind. You know, it's possible that it could get after a while if if you're kind of holding that sense of waiting for the thoughts to come so that you can get them quickly. Over time it might be it might be a bit tiring and you might want to relax back into the simple awareness of the breath for a while uh, with the intention to try to notice thoughts just in the moment of their arising rather than that sense of waiting for them. Okay, I, I wouldn't, the fact that they don't come when you're doing that, in and of itself, is not a problem. As the mindfulness deepens, um, I'm becoming increasingly aware of a, a mental event, which I'm not sure is a feeling or a thought, but it's um, what you normally call being self-conscious. For example, Throughout the day, whenever I feel maybe I made too much noise in the meditation hall, shifting postures, or taking too long in the line for lunch, taking a bowl, or eating food, or finishing the meal, or for example, right before I was about to speak, I was aware of a heart beating in my chest. <laughs> and when I look at it, it's not just anxiety or fear, but there's also a component of thought. Um, judgment of either that I'm projecting that others are judging me or that I'm judging myself. And I'm not really sure how to work with or, or deal with this kind of thing or how to characterize it. Mm -hmm. Could you hear in the back? The, the question came down to really how to deal with the thought feeling syndrome. Uh, of judgment. Uh, 
whether self-judgment or projecting how others are judging oneself, or sometimes judging others. Uh, on Thursday night, I'm going to continue in this hindrance series, <laughs> and judgment plays a big part of it. Um, Right, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to condense. Basically, it's the same practice, of course, of being aware of that thought, of, ju- of that judging tape, and the feeling that goes along with it, uh, as quickly as possible, of noticing it when it arises. Not so much... Uh, having the sense that it shouldn't come, but rather learning to relate to it in a way that's not caught, that's not free. So, for example, if you could be aware of that judging thought in the mind, self-judging, in the same way that you're aware of a sound, then it has no power. One technique which I've used, and you might try it, uh, is start counting the judgments the self-judgment. So every time it arises, self-judgment one, self-judgment two, (laughs) self-judgment 10,000. And what will happen in the mind is just what happened here. We start smiling. And in the moment of that smile, the mind is free. It really is, because what's feeding and what's creating a problem about it, what's solidifying it, is both are buying into it believing it to be true, and also are condemning of it. If you see it as just another passing empty thought form, there's no problem. It it has that particular content, but that's not a problem. So again, it goes back to something I mentioned yesterday. It's not what's happening that's important. It's how we're relating to what's happening. Uh, So between now and Thursday, see see how many... You can, you can count. <laughs> you can give a report. <laughs> it might also help, because I sometimes find this a similar problem when I go through. And one thing I found was very helpful is to ask, who? Who is feeling this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is judging? And who lies like it? <laughs> yeah, and... Mm-hmm. 
sometimes as the practice, the mindfulness gets strong and the concentration stronger, the breath can get very, very fine. And sometimes it becomes imperceptible. Uh, what you're describing sounds like that. It sounds like it's getting to a very fine level. Don't try to hold on to a previous way of having felt it. So, for example, if it's coming down to a simple pulsing of vibration someplace, just be with that. That's okay. You don't have to recreate the whole full breath as you might have been experiencing it. Be with that and see what happens. Either the whole breath will come back again or it won't. And you can just stay with it however it is. I would be a little careful about distinguishing between the actual sensations that you feel in the body with the breath and a mental image or concept about it. Like sometimes there are visual concepts or images. People may have the sense of the breath, uh, feel it or imagine it like a wave or uh, all kinds of different things. That's a mental image. And so you want to note that as image rather than as the breath. This is very important and we'll be talking much more about this as the retreat goes on, that distinguishing our concepts about experience from the experience itself. It's the same way with the sounds. We can hear a sound. If we think bird, those are, those are two very different experiences. We don't hear bird. We hear a certain kind of sound, and then the mind creates the concept about that sound. That's a bird. Well, those are two very different levels, and we need to distinguish them. So it's the same thing with the breath. One is to be with the actual changing sensations, however they are, even when they get very subtle, and then to distinguish those sensations from any image we might have about it. Sometimes the breath gets so fine that actually we can't feel it. It is really imperceptible. But still there might be the knowing that the breath is going in and out. That somehow we know it even though we're not feeling it. You could even stay with that level of subtlety. Just to be aware that you're knowing that the breath is coming in, the breath is going out. Sometimes that's even gone. Right? It gets so, it, it really becomes completely imperceptible. At that time, I suggest you be with another object. The <laughs> 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 what? I, I missed what you said. Then to then to be with some other object of attention, like sensations in the body or sounds. Well, or just be with whatever else is appearing. Okay, I think we need to uh, go to the interviews. Letting your attention rest in the present moment.
noticing the sounds around. Noticing the appearance of sounds in the room, outside the room, within, (laughs) letting them come and appear, letting them go. Without comment, or criticism, or distraction. And noticing the posture of the body sitting Feeling what you do and can of the body sitting still. Knowingly feeling and experiencing the body. Letting the breath come into your attention, wherever you feel it most distinctly, at the nostrils or the belly, letting it appear as it will, of its own rhythm, its own movement. Whether gross or subtle, shallow or deep, letting it be and knowing it. As your attention is called to other parts of the body, other experience, pleasantness or unpleasantness, let your attention be with it and notice its nature and what happens to it as you feel it, as you see it.
when you become aware of thoughts, emotion, memories, plans, questions in the mind, commentary. Know that that occurs and notice what happens to it. When it no longer commands your attention, return to your anchor of the breath, the body, If you become aware of subtle physical or mental experience, lightly identify it, contentment, stillness. Smoothness, softness, knowingly feeling and experiencing these mental states. Let them appear and disappear. Return to the anchor of the body, the breath, in the present moment. Anything you experience can become the object of your attention and known. Let it come, let it go, and know it. Before any movement or adjustment of the posture due to discomfort, notice the impulse or the urge in the mind to move, noting it intention or about to. And then in the movement or the adjustment, noticing each sensation in the body the feeling of relief and comfort, settling in, beginning again with the breath. In this way, the meditation is continuous. The momentum is unbroken from moment to moment to the bell.
Are there any questions? Or should I say, what questions do you have? We only have ten minutes. <laughs> I think I'll have to tell a story to answer that. And I told, a few of you people have already heard this, I'm sure. <clears throat> if you were born in a little valley, in a little village in a little valley, and you grew up, went to school, met your sweetheart, got married, got a job, lived just down the road from your parents in this valley, in this village, and you spent your whole life there. That would be the universe as you knew it, as you experienced it. And then when you turn uh, adult, maybe, someone takes you on a walk and you go up into the mountains uh, around this little valley, around this little village. And you climb to the highest peak around there and you take a look around. And you see, oh, the village that I grew up in, everyone I know, everything that I know about in my life is right there. And there is also all of this. And we see other valleys and other villages and other mountains and beyond that. And then you walk down the hill and you come back to your village. How are you going to live? Probably pretty much the same as before you walked up on the hill. And same house, same job, same relationships, same, same, same. Very different. Because now you have a different perspective on what you've been living with all your life. And so in one sense, nothing has changed. And in another sense, everything has changed. Well, you come to a three-month retreat. Nothing. When you go back home, nothing has changed. And yet, everything has changed. And you will live according to what you have understood and experienced during these three months. So the insight, the experiences, the... The, the knowledge you get, the wisdom you cultivate, the concentration, etc., will inform uh, your decisions and your relationships. And with the 120 of us here, there'll be at least 120 different ways of saying hello and saying goodbye and 
everything else. If you experience a difference, there's a difference. What you might do, though, for a thought or an image, a visualization that really lingers, uh, you know, uh, particularly a vision in your case, if you have a, a scene appear or a mandala or whatever it is that you have for a vision that appears, notice seeing, note seeing, because that's the process that's happening. And if it, as you note seeing or as you are aware, knowingly seeing, notice what happens to it. It may change, it may stay the same, it may be, get brighter or dimmer, or it may do all sorts of things. If it holds a lot of fascination, you know, some fantasies that we have play out as movies, and they're really seductive. And uh, we want to see the end of the movie. You know, we're not willing to uh, <laughs> cut it. In which case, then, in the scene, note what's going on there. Seeing, hearing, standing, feeling, smelling, <laughs> touching, 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 touching. <laughs> 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 or whatever your particular scenario is. <laughs> It's that time of retreat. <laughs> I've got something sort of lighthearted. Uh, you know these slinky toys that the mm. oil sprung to, to transfer? Sometimes mm. my mind is like that, going from highway to highway. Other times it's really light all at once. I guess that's a common phenomenon, that's what I'm asking. And, uh, make use of that, you might want to pick things that are going to be around a while so you can do it too. What, what's your experience on that? I didn't... Sort of the speed of the mind and getting to the object. Sometimes it's really slow and it's a fast mm -hmm. object will be gone by the time you get there. Great. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about the speed of the mind in getting to where it's going. Sometimes our experience is that the mind is very slow to get there. And sometimes, you're right, it's very uh, quick. Uh, in any case, we can know what's happening. We can know the, the fact of knowing, and we can know what is known. And we don't need to um, speculate so much about, well, why is it this way? or 
you know, what am I doing right or what am I doing wrong or anything? Because sometimes mindfulness is very sluggish and murky and not really crisp. And other times the mind is really crisp. There's just a different coming together of different faculties in the mind, different functions and and, uh, attributes of the mind are in different proportion. There are in the mind, there are qualities of lightness and pliability and adaptability that we might talk about sometime. One of Michelle's or several of Michelle's mental factors. And when when those mental factors are highly developed, the mind is very buoyant and light and adaptable. It can go anywhere instantly and still be mindful. And sometimes those particular factors are not so highly developed. Mindfulness is still there, but these are a little weak. And so we're not so light. We're not so adaptable or so pliable. And there's a you know, little sluggishness feeling, still mindful. So you can have a wide, a wide range of the experience of mindfulness. It's getting about time for interviews. New people are coming to the retreat. You know, they're kind of filtering in, and some people are leaving after a couple of weeks. And what we're discovering is that there's no place for them to sit in the hall. So you have a choice of either a cushion on the floor or a chair at any one time so that those who come in later can have an empty cushion or an empty chair. If you want to sit in the cushion during the day, fine. When you want to sit in a chair in the evening, remove your cushion, your nest around the Zabitan, <laughs> so that someone who comes in just for the talk can sit there, can know that that's a place for them to sit. So you don't have uh, two spaces reserved for one body, unless you've developed that ability. <laughs> okay? So if you have claimed two, please just Trust that when you need the other one, it'll be there. And if it isn't, well, dukkha. (laughs) 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 But have a good day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.